Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Awesome. Welcome to Noontime Prayer. Who's been enjoying the 40 days of prayer and fasting? Amen. I know I have. It's been just an incredible time of just an amazing time of drawing closer to God. And uh, what Pastor spoke yesterday about as we draw near to him, he truly does draw near to us. So uh, everybody who's watching online, we're glad to have you. So thankful that you're joining with us today. Let's just start by praying. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for everything that you're doing at Boomerang Church. I thank you for everything you're doing in the body of believers. Lord, we lift up your name. We exalt you. We thank you that it is you who does great things, Lord. And we just ask in humility that, that we just become willing vessels and that we do everything that you have for us, that we would be willing and obedient, Lord, that, that we would pursue you, that we would seek after you with a love that just draws us closer and closer to you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for how good you are in the name of Jesus. I just wanted to start by sharing a little bit in Psalms chapter one, uh, 103 in verse 1. It's a psalm um, from David. It says, Let all that I am, all that I am, praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. With my whole heart, not just part of me, my whole heart. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Does he do good things for you? Does he? Yes, he does. Uh, verse 3, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. That's in the word. It's in the word. He heals our diseases. He's forgiven our sins. Verse 4, he redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Is that how you know him? He is faithful. He is full of love. He is slow and patient with us. Verse 10, uh, verse 9, he will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. That's the second time that it's mentioned the fear of the Lord. We are to have a holy, reverent fear of the Lord. Verse 19, the Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Verse 22, praise the Lord, everything he has created. Did he create you? Amen. So praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. 
Let's stand up together and just start by praising him and giving him thanksgiving. Amen? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are a good God. We come with an expectation today that you are going to speak to us, that you are you're going to reveal in, in new things to us, Lord, that we are going to leave differently than the way that we came. We thank you that you are a good God. Go ahead and speak out thanksgiving. Speak out praise. He wants it. He wants it from us. We were created to give him praise. We were created to do that. Lord, we thank you. We thank you right now that you are a good father. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you created us to be in relationship, to have fellowship with you, Lord. We give you all praise and all thanksgiving in the name of Jesus, for you are a good God. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Good to see you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you, Patty, for opening. I uh, apologize for a little bit, a couple minute delay on the beginning. We just welcome you that are online. I uh, had some technical difficulties, and so uh, we got them straight now. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. So, and uh, we just praise God for this day. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. Uh, we just praise you in Jesus' name. We hold that, please. Um, one of the things we've been talking about humility. And I wanted to go into why we're going to pray about humility in a few minutes. But I wanted to talk to you about why are we talking about you know, hunger and humility. And probably the biggest reason is in this um, setting is when the Lord started talking to me about, you know, you're not hungry. And then he told me that I needed fresh fire. He just kept saying something to me over and over. I mentioned this before, but he kept saying it and kept saying it and kept saying it and kept saying it. And that was hunger and humility, hunger and humility, hunger and humility. And every day he would just say hunger and humility. And he's still saying it to me now. He would just bring it up to me. In other words, what he was getting across to me is that these are keys for us to move into what we need. We must operate in hunger and humility, hunger and humility. Um, let, me, let me show you a little bit of the balance of that. You can be so hungry for things that you can go off and find yourself actually operating in evil things, even if you're hungry for the things of God. Uh, because what you can do is you can, you can push. It's almost a pride. No, I'm so hungry right? I'm so hungry that I'm going to do this better than anybody else. Or I'm so hungry, I'll go off and into something. All of a sudden, I find myself in something that I don't want, right? Um, one, one lady, one time, I remember Brother Hagen told this story. He said, he said um, she basically came to the place where she was possessed and or oppressed by demonic forces and he had to deliver her and when he got the story out of her basically what she had said was i just wanted to hear the uh the voice of god so much that I said, I just want to hear you. I want to hear you. I want to hear you. And so then any voice that came along, she thought it was God's, right? She didn't humble herself to God's plan or how to, you know, because he doesn't promise that he's going to speak to us in an audible voice. But she was so hungry, it went with pride beyond hunger, Right beyond just hunger for the Lord. And now she was satisfied with any voice. Well, that became a problem because the voice that she started hearing was not God. 
It was, it was a demonic voice. So humility, you have to have the balance of both. And, and we want to be humble. A lot of people, I think, operate in some form of humility, but then they never hunger after the things of God. So we need the balance of those two. And this is what the Lord continued to tell me. And of course, the full counsel of the word shows us that we should be hunger and hungry, and it shows us that we should be humble. So we constantly see that in the counsel of the word. So these, these are not unbiblical things. These are not ungodly things. But when you combine these two together, hunger and humility, they are very, very powerful. I was planning on maybe talking about each one of these a day or two. And now we did like four days of hunger and this is the fourth day of humility. And I know there's at least two days, uh, including today left in humility. But here's the thing. We want to make sure that we balance the two and hunger and humility. In other words, what do you think the Lord was telling me when he kept saying hunger and humility? And he's still, like I said, he's still, he's still driving that home in my heart now today. He's not having to do it as strong because I'm personally have taken up his uh, voice and I've made it a part of me now more than I should. But still he's saying hunger and humility, hunger and humility. Why would he drive that home? Why would he constantly, you know, if we give ourselves to the Lord in humility, he'll tell us what we need to know. He always out of his love is disciplining, correcting, right? Exhorting and rebuking. He's showing us what we need to do, right? This is what love does. So uh, why would he do that? Obviously it's good, but why would he keep on doing it? Because with hunger and humility, those two things, they keep you in the place of constant growth, right? Hunger and humility will constantly keep you filled and growing. It's like what we were talking about. If you didn't see the last few days on humility, make sure you go back and watch it because we talked about some great concepts in the word. And one of these is this little chart here where we can see all this blue area represents godliness and the red area represents actions and thoughts that aren't godly. But the thing is, without humility, most people can't see the parts that they're missing. So with hunger, we shall be filled, but with humility, we will continue to grow. And when we combine the two at the same time, we will constantly grow at the right speed, doing the right things uh, with the provision of God, right? Hunger and humility. And so you can see why he's saying, look, you need hunger and humility, 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 hunger and humility. You see, that's, that's just it. I hope that it will start to ring in your ears and in your heart the same way it was ringing in mine because it's changed me. It's changed me as a person, as the Holy Spirit has, has written that on my heart. It's just grown and it's grown and it's grown and it's grown and, and it's become a foundational point instead of just a good idea, 
You know, something I think about once or twice a year, right? It's become a part of who we are. It's kind of like at the beginning of the Lord leading me to minister, what he did was he started talking about his love. And he showed me how much his love was pure and absolute. And then the next thing he started showing me was uh, to have childlike faith. His job was love. My job was childlike faith on that love. And those were, he kept driving those points home, driving them home. Why? Because they were to be a part of the foundation of who I was and really of any Christian. It's the foundation. He showed me that as two foundational points to make sure that I got across when I minister as well. Well, this is another one. I've come to a place where he started to show me another foundational point. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. And they will do great things for you because they'll fill you. They'll overflow you. So one of the things that I wanted to look at, you know, we talked about yesterday. We talked about from the very beginning that pride buries potential, but humility multiplies potential. And what do we want for this year? Why are we in this 40 days of prayer and fasting? We're in to get closer to the Lord. You know, I stepped to the table because I've used that for so as an example. If the table is God, our prayer and fasting uh, is an action to step into the presence of God, right? And so why are we praying and fasting? But not only that, but we want to increase our potential to go after the Lord. We want to increase our potential to go after him. We want to increase our fruit, the fruit of our righteousness in 2 Corinthians 9 that talks about. We, we want to increase our fruit of righteousness, right? And, and what do we do to do that? We get in the presence of God. We start doing things his way. Here's the other thing. If he increases our fruit for righteousness, how does he do that in you? Well, in that same passage in 2 Corinthians 9, around uh, 8 through 10, it shows us that he will give you an abundance. And then out of that abundance will flow every good work and into the righteousness. So how does he increase the work of God in your life? Well, he overflows you, right? Well, don't we want this year to be a year of overflow and abundance? Yes. So in that, us desiring to increase our good works for the Lord, increase the fruit of our righteousness, then we also desire for this year to kickstart this year into a year of abundance. I mean, overflowing into a year of abundance. We need it in our lives personally. It can't just be we always talk about it or it happens to somebody else. We can see in the word that it's our responsibility to believe God. Hunger and humility line right up with that. Hunger and humility line right up with that. And so why are we praying and fasting and why are we talking about hunger and humility? Because, Lord, we want to move into your abundance for every good work. And so let me just, let's go there. Second, uh, yeah, Second Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9. Oops, I passed it. Because I want you to see this verse. All right. So first of all, look at uh, verse, look at verse 10, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and then we'll go back to verse 8. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now I want you to see right here, this is talking about the harvest of your righteousness is this, this context is money. But that also lets us understand that in the harvest of our righteousness, which includes a lot of things besides money, the harvest of our righteousness is also the actions that we do to increase the kingdom. But what I want you to see right there is that just because you're made righteous does not mean your harvest automatically is at the top. You can be righteous and have no harvest, basically. You shouldn't. Actually, if you did have no harvest, I would question whether or not you were righteous in the first place, right? But if you, in other words, you can have greater or lesser harvest of your righteousness in Christ. And this verse shows us that. So that's why we're praying and fasting. That's why we're talking about hunger and humility. We're not just repeating humility and hunger because uh, Pastor Brian wants to talk about it. We're going after the Lord. This is why we're after it. Now look at verse 8. It says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything you Say me, will have an abundance for every good deed, or the King James says for every good work, right? Again, the context of this is money, but I'm going to show it in a spiritual sense as well. So a lot of people, that's a wake up call for them. It's like, whoa, 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 money ties into my doing good deeds for the kingdom? Yes, absolutely. And if you don't see that, you're missing like Christianity 101. And that's a whole nother teaching. But it's true, right? He said, that if you don't know how to do these, uh, handle these things well uh, in worldly things, then how am I going to give you the greater things of the kingdom? And he's calling money and knowing how to operate in biblical finances like the beginner step. Right. All right. So what I'm saying is we can increase and run in abundance in our money, but also in other spiritual areas of our life. This verse shows us that God's plan is to get abundance in you, overflow you. Same thing in John 10, 10. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the Amplified says that it might be to the full till it overflows. The same principle. Let me overflow your life. So that it overflows into the lives of other people. This is his plan to do every good work. So we are praying and fasting to move into an abundance for ourselves personally so that we can overflow into uh, uh, the lives of other people as well. For example, last year we gave away seven vehicles, right, as part of the church. Uh, through the church body, seven vehicles were giving. Did that come out of our lack? No. What did it come from? Out of our abundance, right? Had we not been studying this, do you think, and we putting in the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, do you think we would have had the abundance to do it? No, not at all. So see, there was things that we were able to show the love of God on people that really needed to see it in different areas, and it came from moving in an abundance. Now, Here's the other thing. When we pray and fast and when we give ourselves to study in the word on uh, hunger and humility, what are we doing? We're spiritually 
growing ourselves into the place of abundance. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Are you going to have more faith based off of these last few days to be hungry and humble? Yeah, absolutely. You've heard the word. You're going to hear some of that, right? All right. So in uh, James 4, 6, it, it said, but he gives a greater grace. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And he says he gives a greater grace. So humility gave us, we talked about yesterday, there was like eight things that humility gave us. And we want to continue to walk in those things, in those things that humility gives us. All right. It, this is what I wanted to show you. Callie, will you grab me a bottle of water, please, ma'am? <clears throat> We talked about where are we at? And we talked about the fact that, all right, five years ago, did I know everything? Is it obvious now that I didn't know what I thought I did five years ago? Yes. And five years before that, thank you, ma'am. Five years before that, was it the same? Yeah, it was the same then too, right? So, and then five years before that, it was the same too. Well, here's the thing. Do you think that you know everything that you actually think you know right now? No. I kind of felt like Bilbo Baggins right there, you know, when he gets up and makes his little statement in the, in the first Lord of the Ring. Anyway, do you think right now that you really know everything that you think you know? No, probably not. And humility tells us, no, I don't. And even what I, what I think, I, first of all, I know I don't know everything I need to know, right? Second thing, I know that there's things that I think I got a handle on, I don't. Why? Because if this circle, again, this one represents, this blue one represents everything I know, there's a whole lot more information out there just in the world. Well, how much more is there out there in God, right? And so there's probably some details out here in this expanse of things that I don't know that affect what I think I know, right? But I've got to be humble enough. This line also represents, we talked about it, it's our comfort zone. I've, in other words, for me to push this line out, I've got to grow. I've got to give myself to change, give myself to growth, give myself for my flesh to be uncomfortable, right? Something like crucify the flesh, you know, little things like that. Jesus had it, he had it all down pat from the beginning. And, uh, but I have to be willing to go past that comfort zone in order to move out here and to learn more and more about God and to grow in him. Otherwise, what am I doing? I'm burying my talents. What, I, what I'm doing wrong will not change. Matter of fact, it will probably grow into more deception and I'll probably do less and less godly and more and more worldly. Well, we don't, that's not the direction Christians are supposed to take. We're looking to increase the harvest of our righteousness, to increase our fruit, right? To have good godly fruit, not worldly fruit. That means that we've got to push down on the things that are worldly, that means I've got to give myself to change, which means if I've got to change, if I know that I must change, then what are you going to change? Things that you're already doing. That means I've got to change first in my thinking towards humility. I've got to say, you know, if I need change, here's the thing, just, just it's a really easy test, okay? Do you are all, do all of your actions and all of your thoughts up to this point right now look like Jesus? 
The one who says yes, I want to meet with because either one, you need to teach me something or two, we need to cast the devil out, right? One or the other, right? But here's the thing. I want to meet with that person because we need to handle business either way. Because here, here's the thing. <laughs> um, either one, that's a very humble person or two, a very prideful person, one or the other. But here's the thing. If you don't look like Jesus then doesn't that mean, because he says that we're supposed to grow up to the fullness of the stature of Christ, doesn't that mean that you have room to grow? Does it? And if you have room to grow, doesn't that mean that you don't have everything right? Welcome humility. <laughs> Welcome a humble attitude right there that says, wow, I've still got room to grow. If I don't look like Jesus, I've got to change. I've, I've got some stuff wrong. If I don't look like Jesus... I've got some stuff wrong. Then I'm not as right as I thought I was, even though I was comfortable in my thinking. Okay. Pride buries potential, but humility multiplies it. All right. Now, I want you to, I want you to see this. This is something that I've seen. Let me show you an area where there's a lack of humility in the church, okay? This will help a lot of people start to receive the promises of God, right? So, uh, Callie, will you come here? You'll be my example. Yay. All right, so step right here. All right, good. So let's say that Callie comes up for prayer. Now, I'm going to have her uh, not do it right for just a second, but you don't ever not do it right, right? Amen. High five. Good. All right, good. So let's say she comes up for prayer. I have this happen. I see it all the time. It's one of the most irritating things as a pastor that can be because they don't realize they're keeping the promises of God away from them, right? A problem has happened in their life. And they come and they say, Pastor Brian, I want you to pray with me over this problem. Okay, let's pray. What is it? And then they go into every detail of how this problem ever came about. It started way back when, before I was born, you know, everything. And I hear, you know, the story from age zero to one to two to three to five to 10 to 15, 20, 25, however old they are, I hear every detail of it. Now, generally, when we get about, you know, at, at least a couple of minutes into it, I will say, Stop. Time out. Right. Yep. Because here's what you're doing. You are exalting the problem. Yeah, right. You are exalting the problem. Well, there's a problem and there's a solution. Which one are you lifting up? The problem. So do you realize the more you talk about the problem, the more the harder it's going to be to get that thing to seesaw back and flip back to Jesus being the solution. But see, here's what I know, no matter what you do or how, if you go on for 30 minutes, which I will not let you do. Uh, if you go on for 30 minutes, all of a sudden, and you tell me 30 minutes about your problem, it doesn't matter if you sit there for two weeks telling me all about your problem. Here's the one thing I know, according to this word, that there is nothing that you can name that will be higher and weightier than the solution in the name of Jesus, right? There is no other name. Every name 
right, is under that name. Every knee will bow to Jesus. Every problem has to take a knee to Jesus, right? So it doesn't matter how much you exalt it. I know right now that Jesus is bigger, weightier, carries more power. That thing's already beat down. I know that. But see, why would they want to tell me the problem anyway in that detail? Now, it's not that, in other words, I've had other people that come up, they're like, uh, pray for me, an unspoken request. And a lot of times, this is what I think. No, I'm not praying. Why? Why don't I want to pray for an unspoken request? Because the Bible says that we're to agree. And first of all, you may be praying that your aunt dies so that you get an inheritance. I'm not praying for that. I'm not. The best prayer I can say is the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that may be completely, I'm pretty much canceling out your prayer if it's an ungodly prayer, you know. And uh, so that may be a good thing. And that's generally what I do. If somebody says pray for me, I'll just pray that the will of God is done. But most people, a lot, honestly, even in the church, most people don't know what the will of God is concerning their life because they hadn't studied in this word to know it. So, but, so a lot of times you have some people do it, but if you want me to come and let's agree together, then I got to know what it is. What's the promise? What's the scripture you're believing for? What's the issue that's going to bow its knee? I don't have to know every detail about it. Just tell me this is what's been afflicting me. I've been coughing. Uh, I've been diagnosed with this. My elbow would not, you know, go straight. It just stayed bent. Whatever it is, just tell me. That way we can gauge uh, when we see the manifestation. Man, that thing's arrived. Glory to God, right? Let's agree on something. But you don't have to tell me how it got to be that way or, or how, and why would somebody continue in all the details of the problem? Ultimately, they're, that what they're saying is, this is a special case. This is a special, you don't realize how big this is. I need special prayer right here. You don't realize how big this is. I'm like, no, listen, this case was special when it happened to you. I'm not downplaying you. you. You are special. And because you're special, what's important now is that the problem goes to zero and Jesus goes to the heights in your life. That's what's important, right? You don't have to give me the full, you know, uh, detail by detail case a study on this for that period of time. Just tell me what we're agreeing on. We will go to the scripture, find a scripture that backs up your healing, backs up that solution. Stand on the word of God, which he's exalted above, magnified above his name, and we will see that manifestation, right? So a lot of times, you know, somebody will stand and I'll say, okay, let's pray. And before I even start, I'm agreeing with them. I'm agreeing with, I reach for their hands, they'll go, but you got to hear about this and how much it cost me and what it was. And then they go into like, you know, tirade number two. And at that point, I, I'm, it depends on if I know them or not, you know, I'll move in love. But <laughs> at this point, you're actually backtracking away from your solution. You're moving away from it. And if I don't stop you, I'm outside of love because I'm letting you continue to build the problem over Jesus. Listen, Jesus is bigger. Yes. 
Jesus is bigger. But see, it's like, again, it's like, well, you don't understand. No, it really, you don't understand. It's this simple. Jesus is greater than your problem. Look, it really is this simple. You're doing such a good job standing there. So watch this. Ready? Okay, this is really big. This is important. If you get this, ooh, doggy. Jesus is greater than whatever. You fill in the blank, that's going to be true. All right? Jesus is greater. And as long as you keep building up whatever's in the blank, what you're effectively doing is making Jesus lesser in your mind and in your heart. And what's happening to your faith? Right? Going down. So here's, here's the thing. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. You don't have, we, we know what it is. We're agreeing. Let's go for it. Right? All right. So that is ultimately what are they doing? I, what they're really trying to tell you is how much they've put up with. They're trying to tell you how much of an issue and a problem it's been. I've been such a good Christian. Look at what I've dealt with. Look at what I've put up with. What is that? Pride. Not humility. And so where are they moving to? Are they moving towards grace and greater grace or away from it? Away from it. So it's not rude and it's not out of love for me to say, oh, time out, time out. No, no, stop. Right. That's that's actually love for me to do that because I want them to come to grace, not move away from grace. Right. Not only that, but I've had people come and let's say they don't go through all the details. Right. Let's say they don't go through all the details and, the, and I come and, the, and I pray with them and, and they pray and Lord heal them. Let's say it's healing. Heal them in Jesus name. Thank you, Father. And what they'll do then in their mind is they'll start to think about how long they've had this. Even maybe the attention that they've had because they had this disease and they want to talk about that. So they humble themselves to the history and the logic of the world instead of humbling themselves to the simplicity of God's love. The simplicity of it. He loves you. You're a special case because you're made in his image and he died for you. But they won't receive that healing. They won't receive that solution. They won't receive the, the simplicity of it. Their mind keeps going back to all the details that Jesus has got to overcome. And what are they doing? They're not humbling themselves to as a child to the fact that by his stripes we are healed or that he wants to give us everything and already has pertaining to life and godliness. And so they don't humble themselves to the simplicity of the promise. And because of that, they don't actually receive the solution. They make it complicated. I don't want that. Jesus doesn't want that. And you know who I learned this from? This guy right here doing it wrong. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. But I see that sometimes we just need to humble ourselves to the solution and the simplicity of the love of God. Does he love you? Yep. Yeah. Then it's going to be okay. Okay. Yeah. That's humility. 
But, you know, it's got to have this detail and that detail and this detail and that detail. He's got, he's going to, I believe he can do it, but he's got to work all this out and he's got to make it all fit together. And, and is that humility to his love? No. Then what is that? Pride that he didn't know what he was talking about when he promised you that you were healing. In other words, it's putting your thinking and logic above this and saying that your thinking and all those details to work out is bigger than Jesus. But see, when you just go, okay, all of a sudden you put his word above there and that grace can now go to work in your life. This is uh, in Nigeria. Uh, When Pastor Amos was here, he was telling me a story and uh, he said, let's just say that the edge of this board Let's say that the edge of this board board is the door to the church, right? And let's say that during that service, the pastor uh, said, before you leave today, you will be healed, right? Now, they can be going along with, with a broke arm, right? And then all of a sudden, he said the simplicity of the people there at that church and part of the reason why they have the miracles and the healings and the supernatural take place is they just believe in the simplicity of God's love and the ordained authority that their pastor has in their lives. And so when they come to that door, they say, hey, I'm leaving this church. He said, by God, I will not leave this place sick today. And and they just make a decision right there at the door before they leave the church, before they walk out, I'm healed. And they walk out well. They walk out well. What are they believing? That's just humility towards the simplicity of his love for them And the word that the Lord had given that that minister, that pastor, that's all it is. Their faith is just on the simplicity of it. It's not in pride on the details of it, right? Do you know, I've had some stuff, I've had some stuff to work out before and I'm like, Oh, Jesus, I have no idea how this is like you talk about details that you got to line up to make this stuff happen. Right. Details that you got to line up to make this stuff happen. Whoo. But I've learned this lesson and I've said, okay, I'm going to humble myself to this and let the Lord do what he does. I back off. I don't even talk about it. I just if I think about it, I thank him for the answer I've already asked for. I've already declared and confessed. And I just pray in the Holy Ghost. Generally, basically, I'm just praising him in the Holy Spirit. Right. And he's just working it all out. This is what I found. And I would say at one point before the Lord really taught me on part of this, on the power of praying in the spirit and and letting the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost your helper. Yeah. Is he your comforter? So when you're feeling all the pressure of a problem, who's going to comfort you? The Holy Ghost. Who's going to help you? The Holy Ghost. Right. That's both of those things are supernatural. It's not logical. But are you going to get it any other way from God? No, because he's declared he's the helper. He's the comforter. It's supernatural. And the only way you're going to get it, if you want the help of God, it's going to come supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't want to grieve him, right? That's why we, we, want, we want him moving in our midst. Glory to God. But, you know, used to what I would do is I would constantly pray for the logic of God to show me what to do, right? And that was better than not praying. 
But it was still, uh, there's a better way. Let me show you a more excellent way, right? And that's what he led me to. He said, uh, do you know, I'll solve this problem all by myself if you just give it to me. That's basically, this took me, you know, I said that really simply to y'all. It took me a long time to figure that out. I, it, you know, don't, don't be like me in the old days, right? Be, be quick to learn when the Holy Spirit's giving you something. Anyway, he's, he just eventually got it over to me that I'll solve this stuff if you'll just give it to me. And I said, okay. And, um, <laughs> some, some people will get that. Okay. All right. And, um, y'all might not get it, but some people will. And, uh, so anyway, we, uh, the Lord said, just give it to me. Ask me for the thing you have not. Cause you ask not when you think about it, pray in the Holy ghost. Well, before that, I would say that I would find that the Lord would automatically handle something, maybe five to 10% of the time. After I learned this principle, most of the time, situations would get handled without me ever putting a finger on that outside of prayer and thanksgiving and praying in the Holy Ghost. Outside of that, the Holy Spirit would handle it all by himself somewhere around 60 to 70 percent of the time. I never had to even get involved. And the things that I do have to get involved, all I do is I humble myself. Is God big enough to get our attention? It, if you're missing it, is he merciful enough to get louder? Yes. Yeah. All right. Then all of a sudden what happens is, and let's say that I'm, I need to go do something, that I'm now the hands and feet of God according to the plan of God. It's, he isn't going to handle this by himself. He wants me to partner with him, right? Is he big enough to tell me what to do? Yeah. And get it across to me? Then do I have to fret about the problem before if, if he needs to tell me something to do, if I've got something to do, he'll tell me. I trust him enough to tell me. Right. I trust him enough to tell me. And then all of a sudden what will happen? He will he will tell me what to do. Then all I got this is my only responsibility. Be obedient. Go do it. And guess what? If he told me I'm empowered to do the whole thing. I, I've got everything I need in that word. I've got everything. So if I've got a problem going on and I've asked him about it, but I hadn't heard anything back from him, he's on it. He's on it. I humble myself to him. He's on it. He's on it. God is on your problem. If you brought it up according to the word, the way that he asked you to do it in faith, you prayed the prayer of faith, he's on it. Don't worry about it. Done. Well, you're not worried about this issue and it's coming up. Right. I've cast that care on God. I'm not carrying that thing. He's carrying. If I need to do something with it, he knows that and he knows my number. He knows how to get in touch with me. If I don't listen by the Holy Ghost and I don't hear him in the shower, you know, and I don't hear him before I go to bed or when I wake up, like he'll have a prophet call me up and tell me. Right. He'll call my number. There's some got it. They got my number and they'll call me and say, Brian, you're being an idiot. Wake up. You hadn't been listening. Right. And uh, so they'll help me because he's merciful. Right. And so one of the things that, that's good is that we have to understand that humbling ourselves is relaxing yeah. in the middle of that problem. Yeah. It's relaxing. Well, this is not going right. We've got to solve this. Amen. I agree. It's got to get solved. I'm not sure we have to do it, but let's just pray. You see what I mean? A lot of people are so fretful and fearful over things. And what they need to do is just relax in God. Uh, uh, Miss um, 
uh, Miss Natalie last week, right? Or she told the testimony last Sunday about the financial miracle that she had. She had a bill come in. It was significant. She told me about it. I'm like, whoo, you know, that's, that's significant faith you got to believe for right there. Unexpected bill, all of a sudden it shows up. Lord, I don't know how. Well, she had zero idea how this thing was going to get worked out. Right. I could tell she was praying about it, trying to stay in faith with it. And she did. But she had zero idea. God was on it the whole time. Yeah. All she had to. And here's one thing the Lord showed me years ago. He said this. Uh, I was walking through. Let's say that the table is the solution. And so I'm heading towards the solution. I'm believing God. I'm believing God. Believing God. I so I prayed the prayer of faith. I'm believing God. I'm believing God. I'm believing God. And then all of a sudden, I hit that time in the timeline where the manifestation comes, and boom, I have the solution. Right? Okay. Now, but here's the thing: in between the manifestation and when I first prayed, what can I do? I can do one of two things basically. I can be in faith. And carefree, or I can be in fear and worry. Now, if I'm in faith and carefree, what do I care? <laughs> I'm just walking down the timeline of my life. Oh, man of glory to God. Amen. Did that cost me anything? Was that heavy on me? Was that, did it, did I, did I have problems? Like, was I not sleeping or anything? You know, did I have any anxiety? No, it was fun. It was easy. It was light, easy and light. But see, if I fear, oh, how is this going to get work? Oh, my God. How is this going to? Oh, how is this thing going to get work? Yeah. Think back about to our, our pregnancy days. Right. It's like, oh, man, I'm carrying the weight of this. Right. This is look. And then all of a sudden, but you know what? That'll actually drive me backwards. And it's a good possibility manifestation. That fear and worry, not only is it a heavy price for me to pay, but it might actually keep me away. Odds are it will. But see, here's, I've, I've used this example so many times now because the Lord showed it to me. I'll have somebody and they're like, man, they're in fear. They call me up. I get them back in faith. Then they, they walk a little bit. They get in fear. They call me up. Praise God. They call and communicate because if they didn't, they probably wouldn't have ever received it. But they'll call me up. I'll get them in faith. Then they'll walk a little, get in fear, call me up. We'll get back in faith. So we kind of keep them in faith. All of a sudden, the manifestation gets here, right? And they're like, oh, praise God. Glory to God. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, right? And they're happy about it. But then, and I'll ask them, I'll say, now how much was any of that? Did, did, was this planned out from the beginning? Was the solution coming? Yeah, right. God had this all lined up. How much was it worth? How much was all of the worry and the fear worth? All it did was plagued you. It was coming already. The only thing, actually, the worth of it is a negative because it may have pushed it further into the future. If you'd have stayed and not worried on it, it just, so don't worry. That's humility. Lord, I humble myself to who you are and your character and nature. I'm not worried about this thing. You know what? And guess what? If you have a timeline, this is, see, this is humility. This is the thing. I didn't even talk about what I wanted to talk about today. So here's the thing. There's so much to it. But imagine, you know, imagine this. All right. I love timelines and stuff like this. I don't want to erase any of this. 
All right, but watch, watch this. All right, so let's say that this is the timeline of your life. And I'm going to back up so you can see it here. Okay? And here's where you start a faith project. Okay? You start. They may have to zoom in, but I'll let you do it. And let's say that you have a particular date. Let's say it's finances. And on this date, one month from now, one month from now, you've got to have finances in. So let's say you start, you find out you need to make a payment. There's an undue bill, an unseen bill or something comes up. You ask God for this, right? All right. So if he... If he comes through at any point before that one month, you're good, right? You're good. Would you say, let's say that his provision came in, I mean, the day of that. Are you still good? Yeah, you're still good. But, but what happens when you get like into that final half before you need it? What, what tries to come on you? The pressure, right? That pressure. Can you see that good from back there? Okay, good. So all of a sudden, you notice how the closer you get to the deadline, the more pressure from logic and the world comes in, right? The more pressure comes into that. In other words, you're allowing a deadline to tell you if God is true or not. Which one's more true? The character and nature of the Lord as Jehovah Jireh, your provider in here or a healer in here. Which one's more true? This or that date? The word is. So when we give in to fear and pressure, what are we humbling ourselves to? Are we humbling ourselves to God or are we humbling ourselves to a way that the devil uses Exactly. Right. That's not humility. But let me show you something else. So but isn't it amazing before I go there? Isn't it amazing that right here? Isn't that amazing how the pressure builds like uh, you're two weeks before it's due? Man, the pressure you saw like I got to do something about this. That's the world. That's your flesh with the nature of the devil and fear in it. I, I've got to do something about this. No, I don't. See, that's one of the biggest things that you can correct in your language. I don't have to do anything except love God and be obedient to him, which basically is what loving him does. Right. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. All I got to do is love God. Love God. If I love God, then I'm going to love people. I'm going to keep his commandments. All this stuff's going to work out. I don't have to do anything. I'm his. I'm a part of his kingdom. If I've got a bill due, God's got mail. Right. I, I may be the one that handles it for him, you know, and I mail the check in, but he's the one who's got to provide for it because I'm part of his family and he loves me like that. Right. He loves you like that. But see, it's amazing. Then you get one week away. What happens to that prayer? Oh, what, what am I going to do? Oh, what am I going to do? Ah, ah, ah. Oh, my goodness. 
One time I had this situation. I have like three stories I want to tell you. I'm trying to keep them all in my head. One time I had this situation, very similar to this, right? And all of a sudden it came to one week away. And uh, it was one of those situations where you had to write a check for something. And in between the time money should have come in, money didn't come in. And then all of a sudden uh, it's a week away. And here's this check that's going to be cashed, right? I said, Lord, and what am I feeling? Pressure. Pressure, pressure, pressure. And I knew what to do. And every day that fear came up, I just humbled myself to the Lord. You're my provider. I'm, I'm, I'm relaxing in you. You're my provider. I'm relaxing in you. And so all of a sudden, I would just relax in God and relax in Him. And, I, and then all of a sudden, and guess what? The last day, the last day, right? Now see, I'm not afraid of the last day now. I kind of like them. They're kind of exciting. Right? But see, that's a, that's a humble attitude. It's kind of like, watch how the Lord does this. I mean, it's not the favorite place of my flesh. Don't get me wrong. My flesh doesn't want it to be the last day. But if the last day comes, it doesn't freak me out anymore, right? Why? Because I know my God is God no matter what day it's on, right? And then all of a sudden, guess what? On the last day, he says, call this person and ask this question. He showed me exactly what to do. And before that day, I had nothing to do. He had a plan the whole time. He had a plan for manifestation the whole time. All of my worry was wasted on nothing if I worried. I constantly was giving that back over to him, which is why I had manifestation. But he then got in touch with me and said, call this person, ask him this question. I called that person, asked him this question. The whole situation went away. The whole thing was solved, completely solved, right? What was my worry worth if I had any of it? Nothing. It wasn't worth anything. I needed to humble myself to the character and nature and the promises of God and what the word says about that. And let me show you one other thing. One time I had a situation and uh, financial, we had lots of situations. So I can pull, I can pull stories. I had this one time because at one point we just needed help. <laughs> we, this is why we got in the word over finances because we needed some Jesus in our finances, right? And so here's this one time and basically similar type situation, but it, here's what's going to happen. Lord, if I don't have some income, by this day, there's automatic bills coming out and everything else stuff's going to bounce. What does bounce mean? That just means more money on top of that that you owe. Uh, it's like this cycle and everything. And, and I didn't know how much it was going to cost. But here's what the Lord asked me. Because I was fretting over this, right? I was not in humility. We need a humility just to see the simple simplicity of his love and stay there. He loves you. He loves you, right? And so here it is. He says, what happens if the day passes? I said, well, everything's going to bounce. I said, you know, here you've got, you know, automatic house payments, car payment, all that kind of stuff. It was on the first of the month or whatever. He said, what happens if that, if that day passes? I said, stuff's going to bounce. He said, what's that going to cost? He's going to, he, he said, or I told him, I said, well, it'll be, you know, hundreds of dollars in extra fees that I don't have on top of everything else. He said, even if that day passes and you have extra fees on this day, are you telling me by your fear that I can't bring in what you needed and the fees to cover it? And I was like, 
Well, I've never thought about that. In other words, see, I was letting that date tell me when faith worked or not instead of trusting God. You remember the series that we just did on what to do when all hell breaks loose and no matter what you face, just trust God? That's where I learned that. Because I learned that no matter what date passes or what it looks like or how bad it looks, I'm going to trust him in everything. And he can resurrect my finances just like he resurrect, resurrected Jesus, just like he resurrected me and you. Listen, we were declared enemies of God, and yet there was still a way. He loves you, and humility goes to the simple trust of his love and of his character and his nature and just says, Lord, I trust you and I humble myself to you. My problem is never going to be as big as you or bigger. Jesus will always be bigger. A date is never going to change your character or nature, right? I humble myself. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's out here that I don't know about. Maybe one of those things is he, he's going to break off a piece of a planet that's made of pure diamond and drop it in your backyard. Amen? Amen. Maybe that's exactly what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you're going to be a billionaire overnight. And that might be long before that date happens, right? You don't know. There's a whole bunch of knowledge out here. God's got so many channels of stuff to get through to you. Just be humble to trust him. So today, Lord, we just humble ourselves to you. We humble ourselves to you. The simple truth that you love us with an everlasting love. You love us with an everlasting love. Glory to God. Lord, we just choose to humble ourselves to that truth. Your love demands... For you to be our healer, for you to be our provider, deliverer, restore, our banner, Lord, our righteousness. Your love demands all of those things. All of those things are there. All of those answers, all of those solutions are there because you are who you are. You are love. Father, we humble ourselves to that today. We humble ourselves. Thank you, Lord. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. Thank you, Father. Sundele kuluruba, dute na muha, bruka di bidede, lemoto kuchite de fetu tutu chuma, chamoto kulete nea chatata dos, dosebe de de kuteba, bansabotu chichi chinete, chinete chichi katala loto, loto to kodono no bachibe to kudubos of atarama. Ve, ye, 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 ye. Yeah, Lord, just crack open the pride that's been in our lives. And Lord, let us right now step into the place of humility of our own accord. Father, let us, let's just all say this. Just say right now, I break pride. I renounce it. I reject it. And I receive humility of the Lord. Lord, I humble myself to your word. I humble myself to your character. I humble myself to your nature. I humble myself to your love and your every promise. And nothing from this day forward will move me off of that humility. And grace will be given to me. And greater grace. Because Jesus is greater. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God.
Glory to God. Father, we praise you. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you. If you're watching today, uh, either live or archived version of this, uh, we just thank you for watching. And uh, if you just have any time, if you have questions or prayer requests, you can just go to boomerangchurch.org. Uh, and just you can type in Boomerang Church in Google. It'll pull up right on top. And uh, we just welcome you. Send in your prayer request. Uh, send in those things. And uh, we thank you for joining with us. Uh, we're going after this thing uh, in Jesus together. And we're glad that you get to be a part, even if it is at a distance. We just praise God for you. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for watching. Uh, if you want to give today, uh, online there's a link you can give there. Here you can drop something in the basket, give there. Lord, we just welcome anybody who's giving out of a cheerful heart to sow into the advancement of your kingdom. We put your things in your kingdom first. That's why, and that's why we give to it. But we also put on your nature as a giver. For God so loved that he gave. So Lord, we put on your character and nature as a giver. Lord, anything that people give, let it be pressed down, shaken together, and running over back into their lives. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all. Have a great day. Bye-bye.